Welcome to the Life Point Louisville podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Sean McGill. For more information about this podcast and for other resources, visit lifepointlou.org. Hey, let me start off with this. We're in a series uh, on temptation for three weeks uh, called Help is Here. And uh, that's the thing about temptation. If you've ever walked through temptation, you need to know this, that help is here. I don't know if you know uh, this or not, but uh, I've never seen anyone wake up and plan to wreck their life. In fact, I've just never seen it happen. I've never seen anyone wake up and say, you know what, my desire today is just to gain 40 pounds, get overweight and you know, struggle with heart disease and diabetes and all of that. I've never seen anyone do it. Never seen anyone wake up and say, you know what I wanna do today? I wanna get so angry and get mad that I just punch my boss in the face and get fired. Never seen anyone wake up in the morning and say, you know what, my, my goal in life is to get hooked on pornography. I've seen people, you know, maybe love pornography, but never their goal in life is to get hooked on it. I've never seen anyone wake up and say, you know what, I hope my marriage just falls apart today. I hope that, you know, we just give up on each other. I've just never seen it happen. I've never seen people intentionally wreck their lives in a way where like they do something and then they have to lie about it, which leads to another lie, which leads to another lie. And then they're like, I don't even know where the truth is anymore. You've been there? I've never seen it happen. I've never seen anyone intentionally say, you know what? I wanna wreck my life. And I would say you think that too. You've never seen anyone plan to wreck their lives, but we've all seen people wreck their lives, right? Anyone ever seen anyone around you kind of crash and burn and hit rock bottom? We all have, and it's not fun to watch. It's not fun to watch, especially when, when we feel like those moments are in our lives. Where you get to a place in your own life and you're thinking, you know what, I feel like I'm crashing and burning. I've never seen anyone plan to wreck their lives. Now, there's always the, the anomaly, but I don't think they woke up believing that. But here's, here's what I haven't seen. I also haven't seen a lot of people plan not to. I've never seen people wake up and just say, I plan to wreck my life. But often we don't plan to not wreck our lives. Often we just go through life and think, you know what? I can just kind of show up. I can just kind of have no values. I can just kind of wing it. And we think we can have these desired results of a great, happy, blessed life. See, here's what I know. I know that our value system, the things we ascribe to, the values we put in our lives, the values that we have in our lives will determine the direction that your life goes. There are certain values that you can put into your life that good or bad can either lead you to wrecking your life or having a healthy, satisfied, fulfilled life. And so that's what we wanna talk about today. I wanna talk about the values of the decisions that you make in your life that it really does matter to, to put some values in place, to put some decisions in place in your life where you say, you know what? Not only am I not gonna plan to wreck my life, but I'm actually gonna build a plan in my life to make sure that I never end up wrecking my life. I really do think that there is a way you can live your life where, where, where you don't have to experience the heartaches and the pains of crashing and burning. Now, there are moments that will come at you there are things that we can't account for. There are moments where the economy will crash and burn around us and maybe the stock market does drain your bank account. I'm talking about the things that we intentionally do to ourselves that lead us to rock bottom, that there are things you can put in place. There are values that you can begin to ascribe to that can really help you live a fulfilled life. But I think if we're gonna do that, we've gotta learn that it's so important to, to kind of be on the offense, to kind of be on guard, 
I love what the apostle Paul says when it comes to temptation and when it comes to, to this, this, this idea that all of us are gonna be faced with temptation and temptation can lead to sin and sin ultimately, scripture says, can lead to death. I'm not talking about a physical death while there are sins that you, know, you, never, you never plan to get drunk and wreck a car. There are, there are moments where maybe a sin in your life, a temptation leads to a sin and that sin can lead to a physical death, but you don't have to physically die to have spiritual death. You don't have to physically die to have some emotional death. You don't have to physically die to have you know, death in your careers and death in your finances. And it's interesting that we can make decisions in a moment and in five minutes change the whole trajectory of our lives. In five minutes, we can, we can hijack a lifetime of working hard and pressing ahead and trying to do what is right in five minutes. That's why the apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians. It said, be on your guard. Be on your guard and stand firm in your faith. Be courageous, be strong. I think one of the best things that we can learn to do as Christians is to be on our guard. To, to stand strong and to go on the offense. To not just let life happen, but actually have a plan to attack life. See, there's two things I know and two reasons why I feel like being on our guard is so important. The first one is this, the devil is coming for you. I don't know if you know that or not. There is a real enemy. Heaven and hell is real. If you didn't believe that even a little bit, maybe you wouldn't be in here. There is a real enemy, and the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, be alert, be of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. See, the devil is not your friend. I know he's been made to believe in culture that he is a friend, that he can offer so much, but he is not your friend. He is, not, he is someone that can offer temporary satisfaction, but it can lead to a lifetime of heartache a lifetime of death. And, and, and in this scripture, Peter is saying, you've got to be alert of that. You've got to wake up every day knowing that there is a real enemy that is trying to stop you. I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but do you know that there is an enemy that is trying harder to stop you than most of the time you trying to stop him? Every day you wake up, he's coming after you. He wants to, what Jesus said, this is red letters, he said he has a job, and it's to steal, kill, and destroy. Guys, we are in a very real spiritual war. And there is a very real enemy that desires nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy. To steal your dreams, to steal your hopes, to steal your future. See, God has a future and a plan for you, and the enemy wants to thwart that future and plan. He does wanna kill your career. He does wanna kill your relationships. He does wanna kill your joy. He wakes up every day thinking, how can I get at him today? How can I steal, kill? And that isn't meant to scare you. It's just, it's a sobering reality. That's why Peter says, be alert, be of sober mind. That every day, there's a real enemy that's why the book of Ephesians says this, and we've all read this, to put on the full armor of God. To put on this full armor of God so you can take a stand. You can take a stand against the devil's schemes. See, the enemy every day is trying to you know, stop you and thwart the plans of God, and he is crafty. 
and he has some schemes. And the full armor of God, the book of Ephesians says, when you put on the full armor of God, it's gonna give you the weapons that you need to stand up against him. You do need the shield of faith. You do need the breastplate of righteousness. You do need the helmet of salvation. Anybody ever uh, seen the flannel charts when you were little in, in Sunday school class? You do need to put them all on because there's a real enemy that wants to, wants to attack you. And so I think the first reason why we've got to know and we've got to stand our guard when it comes to temptation is the devil is coming for you. The second thing we have to know and the reason why we should stand our guard is this. Sometimes we overestimate our own power or our own control. Last week I said this about temptation, that temptation uh, is not sin. And that temptation is something that, that all of us will experience at some point. But even with temptation, God always provides a way out. And so all of us will be tempted. But temptation often will lead to a thought and a thought can lead to a fantasy and a fantasy can lead to a decision which will lead to an action which can lead to death. And so you have to know it really is. It's desire, decision, and death. That is the process of temptation. That is the process of how sin can occur in our life. We have a desire, we have a thought, we make a decision, we move towards it. And then the Bible says that that decision can lead to death. And often I think we underestimate or we overestimate our own power and our own control. And we think, you know what? We've got this. I think that's why the book of Matthew says this, watch and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Newsflash, while your spirit is willing, we are all weak without Christ when it comes to sin. If you don't believe me, just go back to the very first story in the Bible when everything was good. And everything was paradise. And even in the middle of paradise, sin entered the equation. See, we live in a fallen world and we think that 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 somehow that that we're immune to it. No, our spirit is willing, but without the power of God, our flesh, it really is weak. That is why, that is why we need Jesus and the Holy Spirit so desperately in our lives. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says this. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful. Be careful so that you don't fall. This idea of of overestimating our own power against temptation is not just a scriptural idea. In fact, if you look up uh, with the American Psychological, uh, Sociological Association, APA, is that what it's called? Um, You you, you can read about this, and I, I read about it this week. It's called restraint bias. It is our tendency to overestimate our ability to resist temptations when making a decision. Restraint bias says, uh, I think I'm better than I am. Here's something that happens with restraint bias. Restraint bias requires something called willpower. All of us have willpower in us. It is willpower that often can motivate us to, you know, hit the gym, push past the donut. And I have a five-year-old, and something I'm learning about restraint bias and willpower that's very powerful is this. My five-year-old goes to school every day, kindergarten. And all day long, he has to sit there and he has to, you know, he has to push back the temptation to, you know, not, you know, 
not do what the teacher's asking them to do, to not go grab the toy and play. I see a preschool teacher right there shaking her head like, yes, they do. All day long, right? Honor and respect your teacher, obey her, do your work, right? Read all this stuff that he's learning. And so all day long, he's having to fight against the temptation of, I just wanna go outside and play. Can I have that cookie over there? You know, all these things. And then he gets home and it's like he just loses it. I'm like, what happened? Is this how you are at school? No, in fact, it's just the opposite. At school, he's great but he's pushed back temptation all day long. And then he gets home and his willpower has waned. His willpower has begun to diminish. And here's what, here's what APA says about willpower. Willpower is a limited resource. A growing body of research shows that resisting repeated temptations takes a mental toll. Anybody ever seen the Instagram uh, reels where like the parent puts the, uh, the cookies or the fruit snacks or whatever in front of the child and it's like, don't eat it. I'll be back in 10 minutes. And if you don't eat it, something good's coming from you. And then you see those poor children in that room and it's like, I wanna eat it. Some people, they can't make it 30 seconds. Some kids, they can make it the whole time. And I think that is not my child. But it takes a lot of willpower. And when our willpower wanes, which it will in all of us, it takes a mental toll. And so some experts liken willpower to a muscle that can actually get fatigued and can become overused. And so here's what I've learned when it comes to resisting temptation and being on our guard, and it's this, that when willpower runs low, we need a higher power to kick in. We need a higher power to say, you know what, I can do this. I can do this, not in my own strength, but I can do this through Christ. In Christ, God, give me the Holy Spirit to resist. God, make me righteous in Christ. And so when willpower wanes, we've got to have a Holy Spirit that kicks in. And so I think what's really important is we've got to create values in our life and we have to set up guardrails in our lives. We've got to learn to put up guardrails that make sure that we are so far from the edge that even in the moment where we are faced with temptation, we're so far the edge, we don't like fall off the cliff when we make a mistake. And we're actually allowing room for the Holy Spirit to begin to work in our lives. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down in, in three, three ways, and this is kind of on the same slide, three ways that I feel like can really help you when it comes to overcoming temptation. The first really is this, it is to put up a guardrail. I want you to think of the edge, people always get mad at me because I stand on the edge of the stage like all the time. Um, people are like, you're gonna fall off one day, I might. For some of you, that's how you live your life though, right on the edge, right? This is a guardrail. We couldn't buy a guardrail because they were too expensive, so here's some tape. Here's the guardrail, here's the edge. Most of the time, a guardrail is there to protect you from going off the cliff, am I right? So if you're driving in your car and you hit a guardrail, what's gonna happen? You're gonna hit it, you may crash into it, and even if you kind of break through it, it's still, there's a safe zone there, a little bit of a buffer, that even in the event of an accident, you're probably still not gonna fall off the cliff. And so the guardrails are a really big deal. And so we all need guardrails in our life when it comes to sin and when it comes to temptation. But the problem is what we do when it comes to the guardrails is we put the guardrail up and then we see how close we can get to the line. Now you won't remember this, but uh, any of the married couples in the room, do you ever remember dating and being 16? 
your hormones are on 100, your emotions are like all there, and you wonder, you even talk to your friends, it's like, hey bro, how close can we get? Like how close is too close, right? Is that too real? I mean, you've never been there? Like you're dating and it's like, okay, we can sit on the couch, but we can't hold hands. We can, you know, we can, we can get together, but the door's always gotta be open. And then there's other people that's like, no, I mean, it's anything goes but sex, right? It's just like, that's the line. And it's just like, here's, here's the edge and I'm gonna stand right up to it. We do that with a lot of areas in our lives. How close can I get and not go over? But I want you to think about this. We don't do that when it comes to driving. How close can I get to the guardrail and not hit it? Here's what I'm gonna do today. I'm gonna drive at 100 miles an hour right next to the guardrail. And I'm gonna pray that I don't hit it. Help me, Jesus. You're probably gonna hit into it every once in a while. And what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen if, if your edge, your line is right here and, and, and the cliff is right here? Nobody plans to wreck their life, but sometimes we don't put a plan in place to not wreck our lives. And so here's what I wanna do with sin in my life. Here's the guardrail. I'm gonna move the line a little bit. I'm just gonna say, okay, if that's the edge of the cliff, I'm not getting near it. There's the edge. I know I can bounce right up to it, but that's a little dangerous. I'm gonna move the line. I'm gonna move the guardrail back a little bit. And I'm gonna say, okay, there's the edge. Father, help me not to get close to it. And you might think, well, Pastor Sean, that's so legalistic. Well, Pastor Sean, that's so restrictive. It's so restrictive to move the line like that. It's so restrictive to put those boundaries in place. Actually, it may feel that way, but it's actually the opposite. It is not restrictive, it's freeing. When you truly learn to put a guardrail in your life and then begin to move it away from the edge, you will experience freedom, not restriction. It may start off as restriction. It may start off as like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but you will find freedom. Because nobody ever wakes up and says, you know what, my, 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 real, my real plan in life is to have the guardrail so close that if it happens in the heat of a moment and, you know, push comes to shove and this happens with this person, then I wake up and my girlfriend's pregnant. No, no, nobody ever plans on just like putting the line so close that it's like, if I mess up and if I, if I do this, then, then I lose my career. But we all know people that it's happened to. That their guardrail was so close to the edge that one mistake cost them their career, cost them their family, cost them, you know, on and on and on. And so I gotta move the guardrail back. Say, okay, even if I do bump up against it, I'm not gonna die tonight. I'm not going off the cliff tonight. Here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs says this, says the prudent sees danger. In other words, it knows where the edge is. And guess what? It takes refuge. But the simple keeps going and pays the penalty. So if you wanna live your life here, you can. But I'm just warning you, at some point, maybe, there might be a penalty to pay because you're so close to the edge. 
And so let's just move it on back a little bit. Look what this other scripture says. It says, don't set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it, but turn from it and go on your way. And so when it comes to a guardrail, please don't straddle it. Please don't walk on its path because at some point you will bump up against it and you won't plan to do it. It won't be something you wake up and think, I hope I go off the edge, but you didn't plan not to. And so may you stay off of that line and begin to walk on a new line that is a guardrail in your life that may seem restrictive, but it will keep you free, safe, and whole. The second thing is this. When it comes to temptation, I think not only you need to put up a guardrail, but you need to learn to magnify the risk. Magnify the risk. Numbers 32 says this. Be sure that your sins will find you out. Isn't it funny? Or isn't it true? It's not funny. Isn't it true that you'll always get caught? I just feel like there are so many things in life that we think nobody, you ever seen the Instagram? Nobody will know, they won't know, nobody will know. They will find out. Somebody will know. Somebody will find out. Your sins, I promise you, at some point will catch up to you. And so I've learned in my own life to magnify the risk. See, there's always more at risk than I realize. I've learned to ask myself this very important question, and here's the question as a pastor. It's a, it may not be important to you, but it's important to me, and it's this. What if the worst case scenario in my life came true? Let's say I had my guardrail right here, and I, just, uh, I lived walking the line. What if the worst case scenario in my life came true? Well, there would be a lot at stake. See, there's always something at stake if the worst case scenario comes true. You know what's at stake? My future, my family, my friend's future, my faith. See, when temptation comes, and it will, I've determined I'm not gonna let it steal my future. I'm not gonna let it steal my friends and family's future and I'm not gonna let it steal my faith. See, I've learned in my own life because listen, everybody has temptation, but I've learned to live with the power of the Holy Spirit in me in a way where it doesn't eat my lunch like it once did. There are some principles and things I can put in place that temptation won't go away, but my urge and my desire to give in to him does. That's why you've heard people say something like, I don't know, I gave my, my life to Christ and then I lost the desire to do that anymore. See, it is our desires. We learned last week when it came to temptation that it comes from three places, right? The world, the devil, and our desires. Most of the time, it is our desire that leads us into sin. The things in us that we begin to, to magnify. And so I've just learned to magnify the cost of of wrong desires in my life. I've thought, you know what? If I were to, to make a mistake on Instagram, if I were to show up and say something inappropriate or do something wrong with the opposite sex, it would cost me. It would cost my family. It would, it would cost our church. I'd have a crisis of faith, I promise you that. 
I've thought about that. I've thought I've got to magnify that. See, it's my willingness to, to put a plan in my life not to get near the edge that I think often keeps me from, from going off a cliff because all of us are subject to it. All of us could go off the cliff if we didn't put a plan in place not to. And so I think it's important as the keys begin to play, I'll close out our message, but I think it's important to learn to magnify the risk. Put up guardrails and then think about what is the worst case scenario if this came true? Well, worst case is it'll always affect three things. Your future, your friends and family future, and your faith. And I've seen it happen time and time again where somebody does something and it doesn't just affect them, but it affects everyone around them. And so guys, there's something at stake when you put the guardrails too close to the edge. And again, the goal in this series is not to criticize you, not for you to feel condemnation or shame. I wanna help you because I've watched too many people crash and burn. I've watched too many people set up poorly placed guardrails and it hurt them. It hurt those around them. And the last is this, when it comes to temptation, submit to God. James 4, 7 says this, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil and he will flee. There is a way you can live your life where the devil flees. There is a way you can live your life where Satan gets thee behind you. And it's when you submit to God and you resist the devil's way. And he says, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm gonna go to the next person. See, when you learn to submit to God, everything changes. See, I think it's really hard to resist the devil if you don't first submit yourself to God. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll spend our lives just trying to resist the devil and never submitting to God and realizing we're weaker than we think we are. But if you'll submit to God, he'll give you the strength you need to say, Satan, get thee behind me. So here's what I wanna encourage you to submit. I want you to pray this week, God, I give you my mind. This is where it starts, everybody. What you think about and what you fantasize about, you will move towards. Your thinking, mark my words, your thinking will drive your living. What are you thinking about? That's why the writer says, whatever things are holy, pure, and honorable, think on these things. God, I give you my mind, I give you my heart. I'm not just giving my heart to him or her, I'm giving you my heart first. Some of you that are dating, before you ever enter into that dating relationship, give your heart to the Lord. Don't hand your heart to somebody else before you hand it to the Lord, it'll burn you. God, I give you my heart, I give you my hands, 
I give you my eyes. I give you my ears. I do think holiness matters, and this is not a legalistic church. Once in three years have you heard me preaching some messages like this, but it matters what comes in your ears and what comes in your eyes will affect what's in your heart and change how you're thinking. You got to learn to guide or guard your ear gate and your eye gate. These things and these things are a window to your soul. What you see, what you listen to, what you let in here, it will affect you and don't think for a minute, it won't. God, guard my feet. Let it not be in the path of temptation. But my, my, may my feet be so far from the edge. So God, I give you myself, all of me. So here's my prayer for you. Again, that this wouldn't be a restrictive thing, but it would be a freedom thing. I don't need to tell you what guardrail to move in your life. You'll probably never hear me stand up here and say, don't do this, don't do that, stop doing this, hellfire, brimstone. But you will hear me encourage you. Hear from God. Back it up a little bit. And so what, what guardrail is maybe a little too close to the edge that God is saying, will you move the line a little bit? What area do you need to submit to God? Is it your ears? Is it your heart? Is it what you've been putting your hands to? My goal is to save you. To save you from the imminent, and I don't mean this too harsh, the imminent death that comes with sin. That is why Jesus came to set you free from sin so that you could live a life that is fully alive, a life that is healthy and vibrant, full of joy and peace and love and faithfulness. So with nobody looking around today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're in here today and you've never really given your life to Christ. You've never really said, God, I give you my hands, my feet. I give you all of me. I submit my life to you. I wanna give you an opportunity to do so because it will be really hard to submit a part of you before you submit all of you. You might be thinking, well, God, I need you to help me with my ears or my eyes, that part of you that you keep struggling with. God, I need you to help me with this area, but I think you're not experiencing the freedom you want in that area because you've never really given them all of you. Today, I wanna give you an opportunity to, to get under the Lordship of Christ, to say, God, you can have all of me. See, God loves you so much that he sent Jesus. Jesus came and lived a perfect life and he too is tempted. After 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, he was led into the wilderness by the spirit and tempted of the devil himself. But he resisted temptation. But because he resisted temptation and he knows what it is like to be tempted, he can empathize with your weakness. He can sympathize with where you're at. And he 
is saying today that help is here. No matter what you're walking through, help is here. No matter what challenge you've got in your life, help is here. And so if you're here today and you need some help, you need to submit your life to Christ. I wanna give you an opportunity to do so with nobody looking around. If that's you today and you're like, you know what? I need to give him my life. I'd love for you just to slip up a hand, maybe just a line in the sand, today's the day. I'm saying yes to him. Nobody's looking around. That's you, you're ready to give your life to him. Just slip up a hand, I'd love to pray with you. And we thank you. Father, I thank you. I wanna pray for all of us today that that God would, would help us learn to submit to him. I wanna pray that this week you would have the courage to give whatever that one thing is you've been holding on to that has held you back. Maybe you'd have the courage to do so, to just give it to him. Father, I pray for that one thing, that one thing that people in this room think I'll never be free from. That one addiction, that one struggle, maybe it's anger, maybe it's like, spending too much on Amazon. Maybe it is some sort of lustful thing. I don't know what it is. But that one thing, that one thing, God, I pray that they would learn to give it to you. Father, this week I ask that you would help us set up guardrails in our life that are far from the, far, far, far from the edge. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name, God, you'd help us to magnify the consequences so in a moment, We wouldn't do something that offers us pleasure in a moment, but robs us of our future and our life later. Father, would you keep us from giving up permanent stuff for temporary pleasures? May we learn that some of the temptations that come into our life are nothing more than a temporary pleasure that robs us of our future. Would you help us move forward? And God, may we experience the freedom that is found in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Louisville podcast. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the good news of Jesus, you can give by visiting lifepointlou.org forward slash give or text LCLOU to 77977. Thanks so much. We hope you have an incredible week.